waves, my waves get lost in the ocean. Seven billion swimmers, man, I'm going through the motions. Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hey, it's Nancy Yearout, your host, and welcome to High Road to Humanity today. We have a really interesting guest here today, and she is going to tell us her story. Her name is Ellie Tavie. And she's a marketing and communications professional. She lives in New York City with her two daughters and their dog. And when she's not consulting on health, wellness, and nonprofit projects, she speaks publicly about her experiences coping with and recovering from autoimmune disease included induced blindness. So what happened to Allie is that she went blind, she lost her sight, and she got it back. And so she's here with us today. And I just want to thank her for coming because this is a really sensitive subject. It's something that's really probably hard for her to talk about. And so I appreciate you sharing your story. Welcome to High Road to Humanity, Allie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, you know, we met um, several months ago when you were um, working for a wonderful company, and then you um, you said to me, and I you told me what happened uh, briefly, your story, and it just really um, touched me, and it really made me think about life and what's important. And I really wanted to have you on the show because you've learned so much from this experience. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm not even the same person as I was before this experience. So absolutely. How, yeah, how long ago did this happen? And I've never asked you that. Sure. Um, uh, about eight years ago was when I first started to have symptoms right after the birth of my second daughter. So uh-huh. tell me, tell tell your story. What happened to you? Uh, so I, um, I gave birth. And, um, in between my first and second daughter, I was having health issues that were sort of like vague and very difficult to, for, um, to address, uh, I mostly gut related health issues. And then after the birth of my second daughter, I, and by after, I mean, literally like within that, you know, week within the, the couple of weeks right after I had given birth, um, I began to rapidly lose my vision. Uh, it, it was a pretty traumatic birth. It was a pretty difficult pregnancy and a pretty traumatic birth. So I was, uh, in, you know, really in bed and recovering and, um, and I, I and my vision started to go very rapidly in both of your eyes, in both of my eyes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so it, you saw the baby, she was, you had a difficult birth and then, so did you call the doctor immediately and say, something's not right here? I mean, did you have blurry vision? Did could you see shapes or? Yeah, I, um, I was able to, it was a little bit like a screen was coming down over everything. Right. Um, the, things started to fade. And, um, at first I didn't really notice it. You know, you're kind of in that post birth stupor for a while and you're not really doing all that much. And then the right. first time I got up, 
Um, sorry, my dog is in the background. No, that's okay. <laughs> this is real life. This is live radio, guys. It's live. <laughs> a very loving and vocal German Shepherd in the background. Um, <laughs> and um, she's complaining because it's so hot here in New York. Okay, um, so you're you're in New York City today. Yes, I'm in New What's York City. What's the temperature? What's the temperature in New York today? It's supposed to hit 100 today. Oh my gosh! Well, you know, we sure appreciate you taking time for us today, oh. and it's humid there too. I know when it could be muggy. In oh yeah, no, it's really brutal. But sorry about that. So, um, to get back to the story, so I got up, um, you know, just starting to return to being able to function after the birth, and I took my older daughter, who was about two and a half at the time, to the library, and I, I still can remember it clear as day, driving down the road, and not being able to tell what color the light was. Ooh. And yet pulling up and not being able to see if it was green or red and those, and, and, and realizing, you know, in that moment, this is not right. This is not that I'm not tired. It's not the glare. It's not my glasses, like something's going on. And I did, I went to the emergency room and I got examined and they told me I was fine. Um, and I think anybody who's had a, um, or who deals with chronic illness or autoimmune disease has certainly gone somewhere and been told they're fine at some point when they're clearly not. So, um, but I did get into see an ophthalmologist and pretty shortly after that, I got diagnosed with a, an autoimmune disease of the retina called uveitis. Um, and then what is it called? It's called uveitis. It's, it's basically inflammation of the uvea and retina. Um, and, um, I had it in both eyes. Um, it's what caused Louis Braille to go blind. It's the leading cause of blindness. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so how long from the point that you had the baby? So, so instead of went blind, how long was that period of time? Uh, it was a little less than a year. Um, okay. We were, we were living down south at that time, my family and I, and we, it became clear pretty quickly um, that we were not going to get the kind of, uh, care that we, that I needed. Um, mm-hmm. so we moved back up to New York city. I'm from New York and, mm-hmm. um, and within, yeah, within six or eight months, um, I was not able to, you know, function alone, was not able to cross the street or, uh, mm-hmm. go to a grocery store or something like that. You know, and you, um, when you talk about, losing your sight, you know, you say it really changed you. Um, what, well, I guess, what did you notice the most? I mean, it probably changed how you feel about yourself, but it probably changed how you feel about other people too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, true on both accounts. It, it really changed my experience of other people. Um, because what way? Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. You know, when you lose your vision, um, the marks of identification that you have for other people, how they look and, you know, and all, and and we do, we judge people, right? We classify people, even if we're doing it in a positive way, all of that um, disappeared and it disappeared really rapidly. So what I was left with was sort of these disembodied voices, right? These like sort of energy signatures of people. Okay. Um, And it became in a lot of ways, um, a lot more pleasant for me to interact with people. I, um, I was the kind of person who, to begin with, was a little overwhelmed in social settings. I, wa- right. I wasn't shy or anything, but it was always like, I'm, you know, I'm a kind of extrovert, introvert. I always needed to go take a nap after a party or something like that. Um, so uh, what 
what it, it reduced that sense of anxiety and it really allowed me to connect with the people who were speaking to me. Okay. Um, and energetically, I, right? And you yeah. mean it more energetically, don't you? Yeah, I do. I mean, totally energetically. And like really to get them and to experience them in a way that I hadn't really experienced people before, or maybe like in very, you know, small doses, you sort of get a sense of a person. But when there's no visual information coming in, you're really more present to them in this different way. And I, I have some, I have some friends now who I met when I was blind and I'm so aware of like what gorgeous souls they have, what gorgeous energy they have. Wow. Because I met them through that experience versus through first. And and one of the things that I realized was that when I was blind, I thought everybody was gorgeous. <laughs> I love it. That's wonderful. Because we are. Because we are. We Ellie. totally are. And I just, and I, you know, I took it for granted, right? Like I didn't think, oh, I'm only experiencing people's energy. You know, oh, I'm not biased by the visual cues or anything. I just like. You know, I would introduce my, I have a friend who jokes that every time I introduce her, I'd be like, oh, isn't she the most beautiful woman? You know, and she would laugh and be like, she can't see me. Um, but I just thought everyone was gorgeous. Every man I met, I was like, oh, that is the most gorgeous man I've ever met. I love it. I love it. She's so beautiful. So it was great. And I really, um, I think my adjustment returning to sight was more challenging than losing it in a lot of ways. Well, how long in between? So how long were you blind before you regained? And t- I want to know how you regained too. Oh, sure. So, um, I, um, I, I, you know, it was quite a medical ordeal. Um, a lot, we tried a lot of different medications. Um, and, uh, we had a, uh, I had a number of surgeries, a total of eight surgeries, um, throughout the ordeal. Um, most of them in my eyes and, um, and it was surgery that, you know, cleared out the inflammation and removed the scarring and everything and, and made it that I was able to see again. So it was a pretty significant ordeal because with autoimmune disease, you're dealing with, um, you, you're dealing with the results of the autoimmunity, which for me, the blindness was downstream, right? It was caused by the autoimmunity, but first okay. thing I had to deal with the autoimmunity. So it's sort of like the house is on fire. We can't clean the house until we get the fire out. So we spent that whole year just putting the fire of my autoimmunity out. So that we get to the point of starting to actually reconstruct my eyes. I see. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Now, so do you look at this as a blessing to you? Oh, That happened to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me why. Tell me why. Um, Or tell the audience why. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do I, interesting. Um, I have to think about it for a little bit, but I, you know, I'm not the kind of person inclined to see anything as a curse. Uh, and I think that that, I think it's worth noting for all people dealing with these sorts of things that you're, you know, I brought to the table this kind of resilient optimism that I was just lucky enough to have. It was just kind of in the bones. And I so, felt that had a lot so, to do with it. So when it happened, yeah, like you, okay, so a lot of people would really freak out and become depressed and be afraid, but yeah. that's not what happened to you is what you're saying. You took the opposite approach. No, no, no. Um, it's a really great question. I want to clarify. Um, I absolutely went down a, a big, deep, dark hole of despair and depression. I ultimately came to the point of seeing it as a blessing and, um, and celebrating that experience, but it was a terrifying harrowing and I was very depressed and I, um, for a long time. And I think it's important every time I speak about this, I, I, I find it's more and more important for me to acknowledge 
-hmm. how terrifying and how depressing and how scared I was for a long time because I know that that's what a lot of people go through and we don't always give ourselves permission to be in that space. And I think it's a really important space to be in, in order to be able to get to that next space. You're a religious person. I am. Yeah. Were you religious before? Uh, yeah, I was raised within the religious community. I have a very different relationship to my faith and, um, practice now than I did before. So everything's changed for you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back in a minute. To book your first 30-minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Hey, all you high road listeners out there. I just want to take a moment to share with you our new sponsor. I've been working with bestradiotravel.com to bring the lowest hotel prices to my loyal listeners. Stay tuned during the show to hear more about how you can save 15 to 30% off your hotel rate. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yarrow, and I'm joining with compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to The High Road. Hey, this is Nancy Yearout, your host, and welcome back to High Road to Humanity. Hey, before we continue with our segment, I want to mention that on the last Wednesday of every month, I'm going to be doing psychic readings during the show. So if you want to call in, I'll be giving out the number. I'll be sending uh, emails and I'll be doing a Facebook blast and you guys are welcome to call. And actually, I'll give you guys the number a little bit later in the show um, so you can get ahead of the game. Today we have on our show Ellie Taviv and she's telling us about her story of what happened to her um, when she lost her sight through an autoimmune disease. And we were talking about religion and Ellie, I just want to ask you, you told me, um, you, you say that you have faith. 
audience about faith because faith is hard for people. A lot of people, it's because you can't see it and it's hard. And it took me a long time to have faith. I do now, but it was a hard thing. It wasn't easy. So can you address that for me? Oh, um, <laughs> it's a big question. It's a lifelong yeah. question. I think I developed my faith. Can you hear me? It's breaking up a little bit. Are you yeah, able? I can okay. hear you. Okay, great. Um, I, um, you know, I didn't really understand faith for a long time. I grew up in a religious household, actually, um, grew up my, my mother and her household are Orthodox Jewish. And then, um, my father, my parents are divorced, um, lived in an ashram for many years. Um, so I grew up with this really interesting, um, influences around me, um, and I spent a long time engaged in religion and not a long time thinking about faith. I didn't really a- arrive at faith until I was an adult. And right. one of, one of the things that I, um, started to think about, I really started to think about faith when it was time to get better. So I had this, ex- this experience and I, I don't know how many other people have this experience of, you know, that there's sort of a turning point in your illness where you're faced with a choice about how you want to go on. And um, and, and I very much recognize that there's sort of a moment where it was like, well, you know, you're going to either make the decision to choose to, to go on and live, or you're going to just give up. You're going to throw in the towel and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And it was a pretty difficult moment in my life with a lot of really, um, challenging medical treatments, sort of daily invasive medical treatments, and also two young children. And I was going through a divorce. Uh, oh, so- wow. Yeah. So it was a really difficult moment in my life and I had to make this choice and I recognized it very clearly. I have to choose who I'm going to be right now in this circumstance. And, um, you know, I was like, well, you know, I think I'm religious. (laughs) Yeah. Do I have a relationship with God? You know, I go, I pray and I'm in this community and my children are in religious schools and, you know, so what, what are my values? And I realized that I didn't trust God. Okay. And, um, I, I think that trust is the, is the bedrock of faith. We've got to start with, you know, if our trust is out, we're not going to have faith. So a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm working on my faith. And it's like, well, do you have any trust in that guy who just, you know, or that deity that just caused you to lose your blind, you know, your eyesight, yeah. right. Yeah. And, and your marriage is, you know, and all these kinds of things. And I was like, well, no, not really. <laughs> like, right, right. So it, owning that, taking responsibility for that and saying, you know, you, you know, this is, this is where I'm at in this relationship with, with God. And, you know, I think of it as God. I know other people have different names and I come from the Jewish religion and we're monotheistic and, you know, we have a God and in, in Judaism, the, the framework for our relationship with God is covenantal, um, meaning that we have this sort of agreement, you know, and everybody knows like Moses coming down the mountain with the tablets and the tablets have the commandments on it. And it's sort of like, you do this for me, I'll do this for you sort of relationship. And that relationship is a covenantal relationship. And it's, it's, it's a, I'm going to honor you and you're going to honor me. Right. And we're going to be in this together. And I started to really think about that, that this is not okay. one sided, that I can, that I can honor my faith by, by being in agreement with the covenant of this religion. 
And I started to think about it as an intellectual exercise, which is how I approach everything. I don't, uh, I, I sort of, I had a very hard time with the more spiritual language. And then I thought, well, I have to use my own language to access this because, you know, I want to have that experience too. Right. So I started to think of it as this relationship. Um, and in a relationship, you build trust, you build trust by working on it. Right. And and like anything else, like a marriage, like siblings, like your kids, you just work on it every day. You show up and you be trustworthy and you look for the trustworthiness in that, you know, other person or um, that you're in a relationship with. And as I started to think about it as a relationship, I was able to realize that I could do the work of strengthening it for myself. And that was something I could have faith in. Okay. And now, here's what I learned about faith, and I want to ask you. Sure. I learned, well, because I, and, and it took a while, and it took something that happened in my life, too, to get to that point. But what I learned is, when you actually have faith, then it works. Yeah. And then, and then that's <laughs> the weirdest thing. It's like, thing. it won't work until you actually do it. And then you're like, okay, I have faith, and you have faith, and then you see the miracle, and then you're like, why didn't I do this before? Yeah. yeah. Because it works. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, that was so easy, and then you're like, actually, that was the hardest journey of my life. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's why I asked you to talk about faith, because it was the hardest thing one of the things, you know, when you lose your sight, I mean, that's a huge thing. So yeah. did you, so then did you pray more and, and do you feel like your sight coming back, um, was divinely guided then? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know that I prayed in the beginning. I did a lot of yelling. It was a lot of yelling. It was a lot of like angry. words and what? He's angry. Yeah. I was really angry. I was really angry. And I, I think, you know, we get scared to be angry. At God, right. or to be angry in our faith. And um, I, I really had to let that go. And I really had to say, you know what? I'm not that powerful. God can handle my anger. You know, <laughs> like I'm going to just go and, and be angry for a while. So it was a lot of that. And then it was a lot of, um, you know, fine, I'm going to be really angry at you, but I'm not giving up. And I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to find the blessing in this. And um, I'm going to wrestle the blessing out. And um I, I do think that my sight returning, I mean, I think everything is by divine providence. Um, but I really saw the presence of the miraculous in the process of getting my sight back. Just the way that my, you know, there were several really excellent doctors, heads of, you know, Ivy League University hospitals telling me, hey, this is not going to be reversible. We can't solve this. And then a couple doctors saying, you know what, we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to figure out a way. So I think I had a lot of faith and I think some amazing doctors had a lot of faith. And, and that's why it worked. It was a combination. It was a team effort. It, it wasn't was just out. one thing. Yeah. Right. And my, and my doctors use that language as well. I don't, you know, I had a doctor who had a lot of faith and was a um, religious man and, and he would bring it up. Okay. And so I, that was, that was huge. Yeah. Absolutely. And this understand, you know, whenever anyone in the medical community makes space for miracles and makes space yes. known, because they don't, they don't, they, they don't. think of things differently. Yes. And I yeah. agree with that. And I remember so, sitting in the room with one of my surgeons um, and he, and he said to me, he said, Hey, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to restore your vision for you. And he said, yes. but if you need, you know, but you need to be doing everything you can too. And if you've got to go pray or if you have a shaman or you need to go work through a past life, he's like, you need to be going and doing all of that. 
And this is like a surgeon at an Ivy League university. He's like, go see your shaman. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go find a shaman. And see so did shaman. you? What did you yeah, do? I did. Um, I found a, a, an amazing woman. I don't know if she would identify herself as a shaman. She's a pretty magical human. Um, in in New a, York, there where you were. In New York, yeah, here in New York City. Okay. And, um, and she and I saw her for about a year. And we really... Um, it, it was really a journey of forgiveness. Uh, it, it was really, I spent about a year with her just working on forgiving myself, working on forgiving God, working on accepting that I'm here on this planet and this is, this is what it is. And, you know, and that something great is going to come out of that. And I just got to stick around for it. Did she do an energy healing on you or what did she do exactly? Did she do anything like that? Did she clear you or did she say anything in that respect? Um, you know, I've had, she did a little bit of that. Um, she did a lot of talking to my cells and getting me in dialogue with my body, um, and, um, getting me inside my body, you know, because when you're in a lot of pain and misery, you just want to leave. Okay. So So you were outside your body. You weren't in there. She kept being like grounded. You're right. She's like, you got to stay on earth girl. And I'm like, no, this is not fun. <laughs> uh, she did a lot of, of keeping. So we actually didn't do that much like ethereal or energy work because she just wanted to keep me here on the earth and, um, have me accepting the earthly realm a little bit. Right. Um, but I did have, I saw some other really wonderful practitioners along the way. Um, people well, who tell, helped me. Yeah. Tell, do tell. Um, what else did you see that really made a difference to you? Because I'm into all this stuff and I believe that all these people have a, have a gift yeah. and yeah. And they all helped you. We've got about two minutes to break, okay. but I mean, who else was a really uh, big influence in helping I, you? Well, I saw a great um, practitioner who helped me learn how to have energetic boundaries. Um, oh, nice. okay. Yeah. And, you know, help me with blame with, um, with going blind. There's a lot of, and in all illness, there's a lot of language of blame, you know, Oh, you, you don't, you're blind because you didn't want to see something or you're blind. Right. There's a lot of like metaphorical blame language. And, um, I saw right. Right. A, a practitioner to sort of help clear out a lot of that guilt and say like, okay, well, you know, how can we find the lesson in this without including blame in that and including shame in that? And how can you become, have, have healthier boundaries with people, both literally think like turning down invitations and then, you know, in a more um, spiritual way, learning how to not let in other people's toxic energy and to strengthen. Yeah. That. Yeah. And that's hard. That's really tough. And you have to put, you do have to put up boundaries because um, it's toxic out there in the world and I can feel it. Yeah. Now, did they teach you to do stuff like sea salt baths and oh, yeah. sage yourself and oh, all yeah. that kind of stuff? Because that's what I always talk about. Yeah. I spent like a year in an Epsom salt bath. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing everything I could. You know, I was doing everything I could. And I, re- I really wanted to stay rooted in, you know, my core faith. I didn't want to sort of deviate to beliefs that I felt were out of integrity. Right. Um, so I was kind of mixing and matching, but I wanted anything I could do to keep clear and keep those boundaries and just stay in that mind mindset of, of really healing and, and in having power over myself. And also, like we said, a lot of faith that this, hey, you guys, we're getting ready to go to commercial here, but we're here today with Ellie and she's telling us her story. And if you know somebody who is, who has an illness and, and maybe that this show would help, I mean, definitely share them because her story is positive and she's regained her sight and we'll be back in a minute. We'll talk about 
right back on High Road to Humanity, but make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. Toginet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15% to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Nancy to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through Toginet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com slash Nancy to sign up and enjoy the discounts. That is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Nancy. Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better, to create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me, and I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better. Because we all hold the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up. The universe is speaking to you. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book. And may the energy of the universe bless you. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to The High Road. Hey, welcome back to High Road to Humanity, and this is Nancy Yerelt. I'm your host today, and I'm going to give you that phone number, guys, so you can start calling me. It'll the last Wednesday, so it'll be July 31st. You can call in. The show's at 11 o'clock Central Time. The number is 903-787-5880. One more time, 903-787-5880 if you want a reading, and I'm going to do some readings for you guys on the radio, so that will be cool. We are back here with Ellie and she, Ellie Taviv, and she's telling us her story. And I have some more questions. And one of my big questions, and you had written this to me um, when you talked about your story, you wrote, be with people with your heart. Mm. And I want to know if you could expand upon that. And then I'm going to talk about how to get answers from your heart. Yeah. Um, 
Well, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, you know, like sort of what's left when you get rid of all the noise of being with a person. And, um, I think we do this naturally with our children and, you know, certainly when they're really young and they can't communicate in other ways, then there's this extraordinary connection that we, we have available to us if we Mm -hmm. we take advantage of it. And I, um, I, I really dove in to trying to have that experience or not even trying to have it. Cause it sounds like I can do anything. It's more like being present, right? Like we, we live on this one plane of existence, but there's all these other ways to exist that we don't realize. And, and we can live in the world, you know, with our heart present to the hearts of other people and with our, souls present to the souls of other people that's that's available to us there's i i don't think that there's a lot of magic required in even doing that it's just you know connecting it's connecting yeah it's connecting and that was um something that i I got really present to and really saw loud and clear for the good and the bad Um, you know and i don't want to say unfortunately but there are people who i became so much more clear of how unwell they were on some level um, and now, I, were you compassionate when you realized that they were unwell or did you, did it make you want to keep, keep your distance? I think both. Okay. Yeah. I think both, you know, there, um, you learn who your friends are, huh? You learn, you learn who your friends are and you also learn, um, you know, that you can say no when, when you're sick, a lot of people want to be in your space. A lot of people want to help, which is amazing. It's amazing to have community and family rally around. It's also really important to, to not give away your autonomy and to not give away your power okay. to be able to hold on to that and say, I can still see people clearly, even though I can't see. And I still, you know, I can still trust my judgment. So how was it with the kids? How was it with the children? How were they? Were they, did they realize, did they not? I, they had to have realized that mom couldn't see. Yeah. Um, well, my, so I, I have two daughters, um, and my youngest, I was blind from, she was about two and a half until she was about five and my oldest, sorry, my youngest was too young. So she doesn't have any memory of it. Right. Um, but she has a lot of anxiety. She's a lot more attachment anxiety to me. Oh. Um, my older daughter knows it conceptually and she'll still talk. She'll mention it. But it, it, it bore no, it had no bearing on her day to day experience. And I, I have this like very funny story, this memory of her sort of coming in one day to the bedroom, um, with her. She, she got like a Lego princess and she needed me to put like this tiny little jewelry on this tiny little Lego princess. <laughs> and she comes in and she says, I need you to put this like, you know, jewelry crown on this, on this, um, it was a horse. It was like a My Little Pony horse. And and I was, and I, and I said, you know, honey, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't see it. You'll have to wait until, you know, daddy or the babysitter or whatever. And she says, "Uh, what do you mean? You don't, you don't need eyes. And she opened Uh my hand. Yeah. And she put the toys in my hand and there was just so much certainty in her voice that I was, Uh that I was whole. She didn't see me as less than whole. And even with the blindness and with, I was in treatment. So I was in a lot of pain. I was not, you know, really physically up and around. And I said, you know, okay, I guess you're right. And I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What a great story. Yeah. She was like, thanks mom. And went on her way. Right. She was like, whatever was to her. It was like, of course you're capable of anything. Right. And that was really amazing. So, and then I regained my sight, um, as she started kindergarten. So, Wow. Yeah. 
That's just, that's crazy. And she looked different, I'm sure, when you regained your sight than she did before. Yeah. Oh, well, we all did. Sure. I, I, um, I lost 110 pounds while I was Oh blind. my goodness. Oh so, my goodness. yeah. And I had never seen the face of my second daughter. Like I saw her right at birth. So I saw her face for the first time. She was almost three years old. Wow. And, and, um, and yeah, yeah. So it was a really big adjustment. I, I, I often say, and I do feel this way that it was, um, it was more challenging to get my sight back than it was to lose it. And, um, well, there was that, the presence of, um, the, you know, sort of the reemerging reality that I had, I I sort of was a little relieved to not have existing. Like I spent three years not thinking about what I wore. That's amazing. (laughs) Really amazing. (laughs) (laughs) How I looked and not knowing if my hair was frizzy, you know, just being totally like in a different plane. And then. Um, you being a real soul. It was like you lived. Yeah. yeah. See, if we all did that, things yeah. would be completely different because we wouldn't be so materialistic. It wouldn't matter what we had on or what yeah. our hair looked like. You're exactly right. Yeah. Exactly I, right. I have this like really amazing experience when I, when I first, like three days after I had the surgery that restored my vision in one of my eyes, it was a problem. And did they know what was going to, like, was it? You know, you had so many surgeries and then finally they said, maybe you'll be able to see, or how did that go? It was always maybe doctors never say, you know, so it was always like, you know, we're going to see how this goes. We're going to see how this goes. Everything is worth to see how this goes. Um, and, but so I came home about, you know, and I, I took a shower, you know, three days after that first surgery where I, I got restored the vision in my right eye and, um, you know, and you have to wait, take shower. So I was excited to finally be able to take shower. And I, and I took a shower and I come out and, um, I, you know, I, I forgot that mirrors existed. Like I didn't, so I come out of the shower and there's that mirror, that vanity where it's always been in my bathroom. And, um, I'm standing there for a minute just outside the shower and I'm dripping and I look in the mirror and it took a really long time for associations to come back. Like, like probably months, if not a, a full year before I could look at a thing and go, Oh, that's a chair or, Oh, that's a pillow, you know? Really? So I'm, so I'm standing there and I'm looking into the mirror and I don't understand that I'm looking into the mirror and I see a person and that thought, you know, and a thought pops in my head. Oh, that's a person. And then I think to myself, wow, that's a really beautiful woman. And it was like another 10 seconds before I realized that the woman that I was looking at was me. That's wonderful. Yeah. And it, it was this moment of, and I totally got it. Like I, it, that, Oh my God, I have never looked at myself and said that before. That's phenomenal. That's yeah. wonderful. That's what everybody should do. That's yeah. how it should be. Yeah. And so then the challenge in that moment, and I understood right away and it is still my challenge is how do I hold on to that wonder? You know, how do I hold on to that grace that I, that I showed myself and how do we continue to hold that on? Even when we're getting all this other information that contradicts what we know in our heart and what we know in our soul. So So that's what do you do? What, what do you do every, do you meditate? What do you do? Your prayers or what keeps you in that place? Um, well, a lot of it is remembering, remembering that moment and remembering that person and remembering that, you know, so much of what I, what, what's going on in our head, especially as women. Um, and right. now, you know, my, my oldest daughter is now in adolescence, right? So we're like really having those conversations about like everything that's going on in your head is a narrative. It's a construct. 
you know, and what's, what's real. And, and yeah, I do. I have a, um, a pretty significant practice of uh, meditation, um, and a physical practice. Um, I spend a lot of time inside my body, whether it's yoga, whether it's, you know, people like to say working out or whatever, but I just think of it as being in my body, like, internal you're working on your inside and that's what i always tell people yeah i'm like in here working on maybe i look like i'm doing crunches but really i'm saying hello to all those wonderful muscles and cells that are holding this soul here inside this body and you look at it completely differently completely differently it's a totally different it's so it's so much about gratitude and self-love and i think everybody should be working out this way everybody should be doing yoga this way it's like just getting in your body like oh my god i'm so excited to be home here in this gift that i have and i'm going to do the work of continuing to earn that and you realize what a gift it is you know your body and even even through everything you went through i want to know something and we've got about two minutes to break when you went to see the shaman and you went to see different people you said you know did they say that it was a frame of mind because I always believe that and, and I no blame here, but I always believe that something caused this did. And she worked on your cells. What did yeah. she say about that? I mean, was it something, a belief that you had or a mindset that you had that she felt or she didn't um, yeah. go there? And, yeah, no, 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 she did. Oh. And we talked about it. Um, and we, we talked a lot about, you know, the different periods and, and, and moments and experiences in my life where I decided that, you know, I don't want to see, I don't want to be here. And, you know, and I, you know, I want to be out. I want to be off in the fairy clouds, whatever, just flying around. And and that's what happened to you. And that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. And now I don't know the truth of that. And I, I just cautioned everyone listening ever, like, don't go down the road of self-blame. Don't go down the road of trying. Sometimes we're the tour guides of our own worst neighborhoods in our heads. You know, we need to get out of our hearts and have other tour guides and, but it's a worthy um, journey of introspection when you can do it from a place of curiosity and self-love, for sure. Right. 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 So, okay. You guys, we're here today. We're talking to Ellie Tabib. And you know what? She she goes and she talks to groups all over about what happened to her. And how can people get in touch with you? Do you have a website or do you have an email that you give out? Or what do you do? You have anything like that? <laughs> so I, I uh-huh. Oh no, it's okay. I don't, it's all right. You guys, if you have I'll questions, you can always email me, Nancy here yeah. at gmail.com and I'll get them over to her because she's a really cool person. And, um, we're really excited to have her on the show today. And listen, one more time, you guys, I'm going to give you that phone number again. Cause I feel so bad. I'm telling y'all about these readings. It's 903-787-5880. If you guys want to call in next week, it'll be the 31st of Don't forget to visit Nancy's website. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, And yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. 
Brought to you by Author You and the Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. It's words you never heard. There are more cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mid-Eastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle, and a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? Fluffernugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hey, welcome back to High Road to Humanity. And we're here today with Ellie, and she's talking about what happened to her. She lost her sight through an autoimmune disease, and she's talking about how it really changed her. And um, I want to talk about, um, you know, you say you had said to me um, about looking deeply within yourself. You say visualize your soul connection to God. Is that what you what you do? You visualize being connected to Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and there, it, you know, Judaism has, has visual maps for a lot of these things and a lot of this relationship, you know, these are written about in Kabbalistic texts and some of the more esoteric Jewish texts. I don't recommend anybody just go pick up a book. Um, but it's something that, um, that does exist, um, and can be explored. And it was a real, because I had grown up in that community and in that faith, it was already something that existed for me. Um, and I'm a, right. I'm a big believer in, you know, go first where you were planted. Like God, God planted me here in, in Judaism. Um, and so I wanted to dig in and say, okay, well, what's available to me here? And there were these, these amazing visual maps about, okay, this is how a soul connects to God. And, um, I was like, oh yeah, that, that feels right. That really makes sense. So that, yeah. that helps. I agree. And, and, you know, when I meditate, I, I don't know, everybody does it different, but I always, uh, you know, connect to God. That's what I yeah. do. You know, I yeah. visualize my crown of my head going up to God. And before I was talking about the heart drop and I was telling you that I was going to tell people about this. And the reason I'm telling you guys is because it's a really cool thing. So I'm going to teach you how to do a heart drop because Ellie was talking about her heart and why it's so important that you come. And when she couldn't see, she felt people's hearts and their souls and their energy. So if you ever really want to know something, like if you're really confused, like you don't have to call me up and get a psychic reading, you can actually put your your hands over your heart and think instead of thinking with your head ask the question of your heart mm. so if you take a moment and you put your hand on your heart 
and you have something you want to know because your, your, your body doesn't lie. I'm telling you this because I want you guys to, to understand that your body doesn't lie. So if you have a question, ask it of your heart and then just listen and you'll get a different answer than what you got from your head. Mm. And yeah. And a good friend of mine taught me that. So if you're ever in a bad situation or a weird situation and you don't know what to do, ask your heart. And um, that's what makes it when you talk about not being able to see and feeling people's energy and their soul. That's what it reminded me of because we kind of forget that our bodies are, our bodies don't lie. Yeah. And maybe, and, and when you had this happen to you, you said you didn't want to see things. Yeah. And so you told your body, I don't want to see things. Mm-hmm. And that to me, yeah, it makes kind of, it makes sense. It makes oh, yeah. sense. Yeah. It definitely does. I don't know. I just think that's crazy. So you're going to write a book. You started to tell me, have you started it or you're going to write a book about the experience? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I start, I've started the, the issue that I'm having is that I, I, um, I keep trying to write a tragedy and it's a comedy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm going to write this really profound moment. You know, and it's going to be tear jerking and, and then I can't believe I did that or said that or whatever. So, yeah. Well, but that's wonderful that you can look at it that way. Yeah. (laughs) You don't look back and think it was a tragedy. You look back and you had your family all around you. That was your support system. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had my family and, um, uh, an amazing, amazing community of people, um, here in the Jewish community in New York. Um, and then just tons of friends, just tons of friends. Um, um, uh, I, I have really amazing people in my life and, uh, and they stay for the long haul. Wow. And I'm one of those people, people joke, like, you know, I stay friends with my ex-boyfriend's mothers, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have, I just have a really amazing group of people in my life and I could not do it alone. And, and letting go of that idea that I, that I ought to be able to do it alone, that I shouldn't have to ask for help or accept help, um, was a huge part of my journey. And just letting that community in and letting them take care of me. And yeah, that's hard. It is hard because we want to be independent. It's hard to keep your independence and then still ask for help at the same time. It's a it's a balance. It, it's a real balance and it's a learning process. And and we go through our whole lives without ever learning it. And you know, and even if we're if we're if we didn't have something significant to teach us that lesson, and you know, I just see all the time how much people struggle with saying no, with saying yes, with saying thank you, with saying here you know, can I serve you? Just, we struggle so much with that. Um, and it's just such an ongoing process and I, I deal with it and I try to teach it to my kids who don't want me to help them with anything. Um, right. kids can be independent. Yeah. And people are independent and you feel like if you let somebody help you, then you're not doing it. Like you're not accomplishing your goals or something, but in reality, it takes some of the pressure off you and it's better to let people yeah. help. It's hard. I'm that way too. It's Ellen. really hard. And I, I think it's urgent. I, I think just in the national conversation that we're having in this country, you know, being able to say this person that's, you know, outside of me can contribute to me. And I'm going to let them contribute to me and I'm going to offer to them and we're going to learn how to accept our interconnectedness and, you know, work with compromise. You know, ideas of interconnectedness are, are ancient. You know, these are ideas right. about, in, you know, in ancient Buddhist texts or, in, you know, right. like, it, but we are interconnected. It's one of those layers of existence that we 
pretend doesn't exist because we don't see it unless we really choose to see it. So, well, and I think yeah. more people are choosing to see it and be more connected. Don't you see that as time goes or no? What do you see? Um, yeah, I, I, I think I see both. I see a lot of fear. You know, yeah. I see, a lot, of I see a, a, pe- a lot of people afraid in a lot of ways. Um, but I'm, I'm very hopeful. I think, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of amazing energy in the world right now. And um, we can be using that in a great way. I feel like you do. I feel like the consciousness is starting to raise. I think that people are realizing they need to go within, not outside. Like we've talked about, it's inside that really makes a difference. It's not an ego thing. It's a self-love thing. And realizing how precious we are. Um, And a lot of times we don't realize how precious we are on the inside. You know, another thing you talked about when you... um, you had written me a little synopsis and you talked about control the outcome. Can you address that a little bit with your situation? Um, uh, like you can't control the outcome of things. You yeah. Know, that's something you learned, you said along the way. Yeah. Well, I think that that has a lot to do with faith um, and, uh, and letting go, you know, and w- we like to play God. We like to think we're super powerful. Um, like false. Well, we are. We are super powerful. But, like, but it's this false. Like there's the power, which is really that ownership over who we are, right, and what we're capable of. Like that, not none of that false humility or insecurity. But then there's that false grandiosity. Like I'm so powerful that I can destroy this other person. Like no, you can't. You know, you can. You 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 got to let them have some power too. And you, you got to acknowledge that other people are walking around being their own powerhouses, and that there's you know God above you, and um and. uh you know, and have some humility about that, the, you know, things are playing out and they're going to be okay. And you, I, I joked to someone the other day, somebody asked me, uh, you know, I started dating, right? I went through a divorce a couple of years ago. So I started dating again, which is its own. Okay. It's, it's awesome. Book. Thank you. And, and somebody asked me, who are you dating now? And I laughed and I said, you know, I'm dating God. <laughs> I love because it. it really doesn't matter who I'm going on that, that particular date with on that particular night. And, you know, they're all lovely guys out there and, you know, and, and, but you know, really who's in charge is God and, 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 and I don't have control and I got to let go of thinking. And we all do that in relationships and dating. Like I have to be a certain way or you have to be a certain way. I have to control this outcome. And it, you know, and if I don't, I won't be loved. Or if I don't, then I won't be, it means I'm not lovable. We, we like go into all these crazy places in our head. So I just said, you know, enough with this. I mean, all these great guys, they're, none of them are for me so far, but yeah. You know, I'm just dating God. God's just sitting. It's always God sitting across from me. And I'm sure something good is going to come from it. And I don't have any control over that. And it's a lot easier to let go than think I have control over something I don't. Yeah. Wow. That was a big thing for you to let go. How did you finally let go? Um, well, it was, it, it was a journey, but you know, when you, when you, when you're dating and, or when you're in a relationship with anyone, it's not even about dating, but you know, you, when you see other people's behavior and, and where that behavior comes from, you start to, to show a little compassion to how people are in, in relationship. Um, you start to understand that th- this person is, has their own set of experiences. I had someone say to me last year, you know, uh, on, on the topic of sort of letting go, I, um, I had an experience with someone and, and I called her friend. I was talking about it with her and she said to me, um, you know, um, you know, our life is a life of service. It's a choiceless choice. 
that's what she said to me. Service is a choiceless choice. And I, I sat with that sentence for a really long time. We don't have control over the impact that we're making in other people's lives. Our job is just to show up and shine. And do our thing and be there and be present. Hey guys, we got about one minute to go. I just want to thank you for telling your story to us because, um, this is a a really powerful thing. And when your book comes out, I'd love for you to come back on my show. Would you do that? Absolutely. Of course. Yes. I would love that. I would love that. And you guys, if you have questions, you can email me and I'll get them over to you. Hey, I'm going to give you the proper phone number to call me next week. It's 903-787-5887. So if you guys want readings next week, it's 903-787-5887. And we will, uh, um, we'll talk to you next week. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Next week, we've got Lisa Campion, and she's coming to see me, and she's also an intuitive, and she's going to take calls. So it's going to be a really um, super fun show. Love and hope for our future. To sign up for my intuitive life coaching or a psychic reading, visit my website, www.nancyyearout.com. My email address is nancy at highroadtohumanity.com. So have a fabulous week and know that by staying on the high road, you will make it to your destination.